This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Decisions, decisions. The Edmonton Oilers are about halfway through training camp, and while the NHL team has made a number of roster cuts already, sending players in bunches back to junior clubs and to the minor league in Bakersfield for the AHL team's camp, the hard work deciding who stays and who goes starts now. The Oilers have three preseason games left before they depart for Europe where they'll play an exhibition in Cologne, Germany, before starting the 2018-19 season in Gothenburg, Sweden, against the New Jersey Devils. We're going to know who will be on the roster to start the season by this week's end. A pleasant fly in the ointment for the Oilers is Kyler Yamamoto, the small winger who earned a nine-game NHL regular season look last year after being drafted by the team in the first round in 2017. He's doing the same things this year, Scoring, looking very much in place in the Oilers lineup, making it very hard for head coach Todd McClellan to send him to Bakersfield. So what happens with the other forwards, particularly the likes of Tobias Reeder and Drake Kajula? I'm Jim Matheson. I'm Rob Tichkowski. And I'm Craig Ellingson. I talk to these hockey beat writers about the Oilers' offensive puzzle, as well as about the state of the team's defensive core and about the upcoming trip to Europe. This is the Oil Spills Podcast for Tuesday, September 25th, exhibition seasons it's pretty much halfway now isn't it we're about what a week and a half in got another week and then we get into germany so they only have two games left they're taking the team's picked when they're going to germany well we have three games left yes but the team the last game that will be the team that's their team got it got it okay well we're coming off an exhibition game against winnipeg last night and uh we're going to focus on the forwards today and uh the player that stood out the most was the man with two goals, and that was Kyler Yamamoto, at least on the score sheet. Matty, you were in Winnipeg. Yamamoto was standing in front of the net where he normally does, and he obviously gets a stick in the right place. Well, he, he looked this good last year in the preseason, too, so I guess we should temper it a shade. He got five goals last year in the preseason. He's got four now. But he seems to be doing a little bit more 
this season than last year where it was just you're trying to make the team as an offensive player. Now they're using him to kill some penalties. And he played left wing in Winnipeg, not right wing. So if you can't make the team on right wing, you put him over left wing and play. The coach, if the coach gets a vote right now, he's on the team. You know, um, I suspect, you know, when it gets time to pick the team, he'll have a very loud voice that he wants him on the team unless he just plays very poorly in the next couple of games. And he kind of throws a bit of a monkey wrench into it because I think most people thought he'd be going to Bakersfield, but if he's going to make the team, um, player like uh, Tobias Reeder, who looked like a second-line player going into camp, was going to have to play somewhere else. So they pushed some people down the lineup. And uh, whether they keep one extra forward or two, um, if it's one extra forward, it's pretty easy. Yamamoto makes the team. Reeder goes down, and the third line looks pretty good with Stroman, Pugliarvi, and Kara. So the fourth line is... You know, readers on the fourth line, or Kajula's on the fourth line with Cassian and Brodziak. So we care. That's one extra forward. Rob, what do you make of well, what the mix is right now? Yeah, it's to my way of thinking. Training camp almost starts now. Like you know, they've been playing the Sisters of the Poor. You know, Calgary and, and Vancouver. There was there was nobody there. Even Winnipeg was kind of just just half a team the other day. You know, Yamamoto again looked really good in training camp last year, and then once he saw regular season uh, opponents, you know, he wasn't quite the same guy. You could tell he had some growth. So I think they're going to be taking a look at you know he and McLeod and a lot of those guys, Reader, everybody now. You know, the rosters are going to get a little tougher. The opponents are going to be a, a little more you know NHL caliber, even though they won't fully be there yet. So I think you know they got like you said three three games to go before they go to to Germany. They're going to have to get that team picked fast. I mean, they got three games in five days here, so you know you're going to see close to a full lineup and close to hopefully a full lineup of of opponents. And I think that's when you really start making the hard judgments. But you know, how many right wingers do they have? So Yamamoto has the you know has a has a good look at it just for the simple reason that you know Tobias Reader hasn't been great, and Jesse Pulleyarvi is still you know a work in progress. So. You know, not not quite by default because he's been good, but there's there's still a way to go before you. you, you I would consider him a lock solid NHL right winger, top six. Uh, last night I was when I was writing my story. I was going to put this line in there that Yamamoto's no Ty Ratty, and I, I couldn't. I just never thought I'd type those words in a <laughs> in another story. <laughs> but Ratty's been a little better than than Yamamoto, but Yamamoto's been a little better than Pugliarvi. So you know. He looks pretty good on right wing, so I, you know, like I said, it's not like the Oilers are blessed with a whole whack of people who can score a goal. No, whether he's twenty or he's thirty, if he can score a goal in the top six, uh, he's going to be there. You know, you brought up Ty Ratty, and of course, he's uh, another obviously shining star, if you will, at the beginning of training camp. But like you said, Rob, now we're getting into the real training camp. Um, you know, Ty Ratty played a couple of games. Uh, for the preseason, uh, you know, with and without Connor McDavid, and he's he's definitely uh, come through, whether he's playing on with McDavid or not. But at the, like you said, we are seeing some uh, B and C grade lineups uh, playing these games. So I guess uh, these next three games, yeah. w- maybe we'll see more of what Ty Ratty can or cannot do. Yeah, this is a life changing opportunity, and, and he's smart enough to recognize that a guy who hasn't been given or made good on a 
many chances to be a National Hockey League player is now given an opportunity to play with you know the best player in the world. <clears throat> so his summer was spent you know getting ready for this, and you know his thing is is not end to end. It's it's in traffic, getting his hands on the puck, finishing, setting up guys, and you know so far so good. He's looked really good in those areas. Like McDavid, you know, is McDavid, but he's not always the easiest guy to play with. You have to play off him. And, and you know help make him better just as much as he's he's making you better compliment him and he does a really good job with that he's in the right place is you know he can finish he can make the you know the little deaf pass to to find an open guy in in that goal mouth traffic um and that stuff you know again you're going to be playing some some higher caliber defenseman but you know he, he showed pretty well when he when he was in there last year and i think given the summer that he's had to to better himself i i I wouldn't have too many concerns about him. You got to see it before you before you know it. But I kind of feel good about his ability to fill that role. Right, and the captain has given him the seal of approval too. And Connor is, if Connor didn't like playing with Tyratty, or he couldn't, you know, they just didn't. There wasn't enough, you know, IQ, hockey IQ, and chemistry. He wouldn't be there. I don't think. You know, I think Connor still has some some weight as to who he's comfortable playing with. And right now he seems to like playing with him, so uh, that's half the battle for Ty Ratty. Now the other half of the battle is is on November third. Is he still going to be there? You know, um, they played twelve, thirteen games. We'll see. So that's been the knock, mm-hmm. the knock on Ratty all along. That consistency, that to stay with with uh, offensive players when given the opportunity. Now, Ryan McLeod, he's still here. He's 19. He's second-round pick of the Oilers this this past June. Why is he still on? Why is he still here? What's he What's he done to stick around? Well, if they didn't like him, he'd be. As Todd McLeod says he'd be back with his junior team because their season's already started. So he's done enough, and he's played every game. I think he played all. You know, he played all three of the rookie games, and he played four of the uh, NHL games too so I didn't think he was as good in Winnipeg I thought he was okay um, the level of competition was a little higher um, so but he's going to get an entry level contract th- through this if nothing else he's going to get a contract and go back to junior with a contract uh, but he does. He hasn't looked like a guy that the coaches can, can, can say oh he should be back in junior. He's on that fence mm-hmm. where he's done enough good things where the coaches are saying, well, I'll give him another game. We'll give him another game. And I thought, you know, if they're going to be cutting down any players after a Winnipeg game, he might be one player going back to junior because if they want to get down, you know, to even more manageable forward numbers, he might go back. But uh, sounds like he's going to get at least one more game, you know, of... You know, either Vancouver or Arizona to show what he can do. Yeah, and the bottom six hasn't really knocked anybody's socks off either. So, I mean, you know, keep him around to just, you know, so they can maybe look over the shoulder and then give him a sense of what, uh, you know, the next the level he, he needs to get to to, uh, to get a full time spot. And there's also, uh, and we've already brought up the third line, but that seems to be a, almost a set unit, doesn't it, with uh, Pugliarvi, Strom, and Kyra. Um, you know, Pugliarvi had that you know strong game a couple of games ago, in which he scored a couple of goals. If I was it two goals or was it one? I think mm, it was ah. there, but uh, he one. scored one. Yeah, it was one. one. Yeah, 
No, he looked a lot. He looked very comfortable. Yeah, yeah he's a confident, player. much more confident player, much more at ease. Uh, he's still, you know, he's still this, you know, kind of big goofy guy that doesn't speak well, but he speaks a lot better than he used to. But you know, you look at his skills; like he skates incredibly well. He's got a really good shot. As soon as he calms down a little bit and kind of sees the ice and thinks the game a little bit better, you know, which Ryan Strom and some other guys are helping him with, and be it's a lot easier when you can speak to the guy in English and you don't have to wait around for a translator. You can just you know slide over to the other end of the ice and, and tell him something in practice. But you know, he's a, he's a again he's another work in progress. It's going to take him a little bit longer than other players for for various reasons. But if he ever becomes who they envision him becoming, he'll be a like a power in this league like he's a big guy with a big shot who skates well and you know you're seeing a little bit of that evolution this season from last year to this year he just seems like a more confident guy he seems like he's willing to do sometimes too much like he's still you know all over the ice a little bit not to the extent where you know Nail Yakupov was just like look as somebody said looked like he was being chased by bees but he uh, uh Puliarvi is you know he's taken a he's taken a step forward which is important in a in a, in a player that that age so that's that's a good sign so far I think they've told him too he says I know people say you should be playing with Dreisaitl or McDavid but you're going to be playing with Ryan Strom and you're not going to be seeing the other team's best defensemen or best checkers so we'll we'll play you with Strom for a long time until you you know you prove to us that maybe you're a top six player not a top nine player and move you up, but I I think he's he's needed that. I think he's needed one line where he can play with all the time, uh, and I think they've thrown him a little bit of gravy by saying you can be in the second power play unit for the ten seconds the second power play unit will probably get. Yeah. But and the second power power play unit will be all right shot guys, and the first power play unit <laughs> will be all left shot guys because that's the way it was last night in Winnipeg: wow. four righties, one left. Yeah. Unlike the five lefties, yeah, I, I like the idea of sheltering him. You know, he doesn't need to be out against the other team's first or second defense pairing. Like those guys are hard to score against. Diffie Connor McDavid, much less Puljujarvi. So, you know, people think, oh, playing him down, you know, on the third line at Edmonton is is you know wasting his skills. But it also gives him an opportunity to play against opposition third liners and third pairing defensemen, which should make it a little easier for him while he makes that transition. So, I I, I like the way they're handling him. You know, give him that as a base, and then a little bit of power play gravy here and there, or move him up here and there situationally, depending on how things are going, how he's going. Now, with Paul Yarby, you know, slotted in with Strom and Kyra, um, obviously ratty up with McDavid right now. If we do have Yamamoto making the team, he's going to have to play with Drysaitel and Lucic, isn't he? Yeah, top is six for sure. You, otherwise, no. I mean, does that unit work? I guess it would have to. It should work. I don't have a problem I mean, I don't know. work. It should work. I mean, I guess they have, would have had Kajula on there. Yeah, I mean, it, smaller player. I think, I think, Kyler goes to where you got to go. He's a, the other two guys are huge compared to him. He's one fifty three, uh, and you know, Lucic, I'm sure could bench press him a hundred times. I'm sure if he felt like it. So, but. He's got enough skill, and I think he's a smart enough player to p- certainly play with, with Leon, who's a smart player. And, uh, you know, like I agree with Rob. If he's not on the top six, probably shouldn't be in the team. And he has enough ability to be a top six and enough 
ability to also kill some penalties to get his ice time up as well. If he's not on the first power play and he's on a second power play and they're only getting 15 seconds a game or you know a, a power play, so that's not much gravy time. But if he can kill some penalties too, um, he gives the orders a little bit of a threat offensively when you're killing a penalty. You know, we didn't get to see much of any of Scotty Upshaw in this training camp because he hurt, hurt his leg. Was it his knee or his something? Um, but that's not maybe not a bad thing. I mean, we've got plenty of people who are still auditioning for spots. We already talked about Drake Kajula. Where does he fit in? Tobias Reader. Um, there's also Pontus Auberg. Um, you know, Alex Chason's here on a, on a tryout as well. I don't know how this all shakes out. I mean, I don't think Chason's making the team, just given the numbers, but I don't know. He's only played in one Kinds game, too. They carry two, 14 forwards or 13 forwards. Mm-hmm. If, like I said, if Yamamoto's on the second line, then Reeder has to move down to maybe the fourth line. So then one of the extra guys on the fourth line has to be the extra forward. And then um, usually teams carry two extra forwards and only one extra defenseman. I mean, carrying eight defensemen at the start of the year when guys are fresh and wanting to play all the games, mm-hmm. you don't need two extra defensemen no. sitting around doing nothing. You know, especially if you start the season well, you just keep playing the six t- same six defensemen and the two other guys don't play. So you can move a forward in here or there, you know, a fourth-line guy or a third-line guy, but if you're an extra forward, but defenseman, um, 70 and and two extra forwards sounds about right. But you're, as you say, who those extra forwards are, I think they've liked Chase on well enough, and I think Upshaw will probably be in the Chris Kelly role, where Chris was here till like November last year. Of course, it's up to Upshaw, Scotty, if, if he wants to hang around, take some rehab on his leg. I think it's a calf, he told me. He heard it running before training camp. Uh, and maybe go down to Bakersfield and play a few games, at least play some games before... Um, they decide whether he's a player or not, and nobody's seen him in the exhibition season to see if on another team either to see if he's got some game left. So it's not like uh, the owners are are hiding him or anything like that, or, or worried about somebody else suddenly giving him a PTO. Nobody he hasn't played a game. Okay, I lied. We're not just going to talk about forwards. We have to talk about defense because we, obviously we've had some. Uh, you know, some moves. Kevin Gravel's is going down to Bakersfield on waivers. We still have ten defensemen in camp, including you know first round pick Evan Bouchard and Ethan Bear. Um, you know, Ethan Bear had a nice goal last night against Winnipeg. Uh, how do you how do you see the defense uh, shaping up at this point? I mean, who do you, who stays, who goes? Well, like Bouchard, if it was just what he does when the puck's on a stick, he's a lock. Like he's one of their better players right now. With you know the way he moves the puck, the way he skates, the way he passes the puck, the way he shoots. You know, he's that that part of his game is is NHL very, very close to NHL ready. It's the actual defending part of being a defenseman that they all struggle with. You know, like talking to Nurse today, he was saying that was the biggest adjustment in the league. And it's one thing to skate well and shoot well and move the puck well, but if if you're getting scored on a lot when you're on the ice, they can't play. So I mean, that's what he's looking at with Baron Bouchard because ideally you want them around for their offensive abilities. But, you know, in a 3-2 league, you can't give up very many easy goals. So, you know, that's what McClellan's going to be watching down the stretch here because he would like one, 
unlikely both, but he would like you know one of those guys to to be locking up a spot. So, you know, like I said, with these these games coming up, this is where you this is where you earn your money because uh, the spots are open. So you know, just go get one. One thing about Bouchard, you can hide him to a degree by putting him on the power play and putting him in the third pairing against other teams' third and fourth yeah. lines. So he's not playing against Wheeler and, and Mark Shifley. He's playing against, I don't know who's on there, Andrew Kopp and <laughs> whoever else is on the third or fourth mm-hmm. line of Winnipeg. So you can hide him a little bit. And I think all coaches are tantalized by players with some offensive ability as defensemen. And they always figure it's tough to teach a player to be offensive if he doesn't have any offensive ability in him as a defenseman. But you can teach an offensive defenseman to play some defense. Right. And I think that's probably what they're thinking. Um, at worst, he's on the second power play, Bouchard. Even if they want to play um, Oscar Clefbaum on the first power play on the point. So at the worst, he's on the second power play. So. Ethan Barrett, they're quite similar players, yeah. to be honest. So I don't know if there's room for both. I think there's only room for one, not two. Um, and, you know, right now it, I would say that Jarabek looks like the extra defenseman. If they want to keep somebody who's a little more experienced, then he can play both sides, although I haven't been impressed at all with him in the pre- preseason myself. He's a bit of a risk taker to me. He's, he gambles. And, you know, his versatility is nice because you can play him on either side, especially in a game where somebody gets hurt, you can move move him over. But I don't think he's played terribly well. Yeah. Gravel is an easier send down because he only plays one, he plays left side only. Um, he makes a little less money. And I think the way teams are working it now is you send these players down quite a bit before the cut-down date, so teams aren't so w- willing to pick anybody up off waivers because they got their own extra players to worry about they're not down to down to 25 players and two defensemen certainly suddenly get hurt in the last exhibition game and they grab somebody off waivers so maybe that's the reason they send Gravel down because I think he's been every bit as good as Jarabek myself but I'm not making that call that's a higher pay grade than me I think it'd be between. I mean, like you say, you can't have Bear and Bouchard on the same team because even if one's your your number seven guy, then somebody else gets hurt, and then suddenly you're rolling into Winnipeg and Minnesota with Bear and Bouchard on your blue line, and uh, that 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 might be tough to keep the puck out of your own net in that situation. So, interesting whether they want to go with a younger guy or somebody who's got a little bit of NHL experience already. It's a interesting call. Well, like we talked about recently, I mean, you know, where's where's the right place for Bouchard to be? You know, back with his London team, and maybe you know they weren't they weren't a power last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the prognosis this year. Maybe, maybe not. But um, yeah, it's a a bit of a quandary. But I suppose send him back. You'd be playing in the World Junior. True. You know, if he's a regular on the Edmonton Oilers, he might not be playing in the World Junior over right. Christmas. So um, that's that's to be considered too. And I think if if Peter Shirelli looks at his defense a month into the season and says, Ooh, I got five defensemen, but I don't like the sixth and I don't like the seventh. He'll be trying to get trade for some defenseman. He's gonna have to yep. need another defenseman. And I yeah, I, you know, maybe he looks at the waiver wire too at you know, October second and sees who's available and says there's a defenseman out here better than Jarabek or Gravel. 
and he goes and gets them, gets one of them, those defensemen. Have the owners talked about, or have you talked to any players, coaches about you know preparing to go to Europe? I mean, I know it's you know it's what is an eight-hour time difference over to, to Sweden, um, and they're starting on the regular season there, and then they're flying back to Boston. Um, any talk about the preparation, or are you preparing, Matty? I've changing your sleep patterns. I've definitely changed my. I can't take enough clothes for the length of the road trip, so there will be some valeting in there. I'm sure. Okay. Uh, you get some leader hosing. Yeah, I don't have. I don't have seventeen pairs of socks. Say, um, so I think it's fine for the European players. It's no problem for them. They come over to North America all the time, and we forget that. You know, they fly over. Sometimes get in on a Tuesday, and they're in training camp. They're at out in the ice with the, their teammates for in, informal workouts Wednesday morning. So I don't think it's as big a deal for European players who travel to North America all the time. It's harder going the other way. And I think the exhibition game, it's not against one of the powerhouses in the in the German league as well. It's you know it's an interesting story because Leon Dreisaitl's from Kelowna's dad coaches the team. Ryan Jones used to play for the Oilers, plays for Colonis, as Corey Potter, another former Oilers. So it's some interesting storylines. But the it's inconvenient for the Oilers really to be playing over there. Normally, you fill out your your twenty three man roster. You're looking at everybody else's roster. You're in North America along with everybody else, and you're seeing okay, um, oh this player is available. Well, what if a player is going to get to fly him all the way to Europe? And the orders are going to take three goalies. So what are they? They're going to take Al Montoya and Koskinen, and you know they get they get you get a waiver because you're in Europe in case one of your goalies gets hurt. So you can take a third goalie, and then so your third goalie you, you take him over there, and then suddenly he's on waivers because you're going to send him to the minors or if it's Montoya. So that's not really ideal either. But you know, same thing. Jersey's in the same boat, so they're they're. They're not just playing a European team; they're playing another NHL team. So yeah. it's the same for them. If you give the coaches and management truth serum, they tell you they don't want to be doing this right now. Not not this year. Like you know, in, in past when Chicago or good teams would go over, like they knew who they were, they knew who they had, they knew they were going to be good. You know, Edmonton. This is a big, big season and a big start for them coming up. Like they, they've typically been a team that doesn't reverse its flow very often. If they start slowly, they stay bad, and if they start well, they they. They're, they're a pretty good team, which hasn't happened a whole bunch. But you know, I, I, ideally, they don't want to be flying over there, you know, playing on Olympic ice, then coming back here and playing on North American ice, and, and then just putting themselves underneath it. Because by the time they get home, they've already played four games in Winnipeg, New York, Boston, uh, and Jersey over there. So uh, you know, it's not ideal. It's going to be fun and be a great experience and, and all that stuff for the players. And, and if they do start well, then you know they can say that that was the launching pad. But this is something that I think right now they're going to have to overcome as opposed to you know having it serve them. Is it a good experience? I mean, you know, Matty, you were on the trip the last time that did such a European excursion, and that was back in 1990 with Messier and, and the yes. like. The awesome Epson Cup, the computer company. Oh, okay. Epson not the salts uh, at the EPSON against I mean, St. Louis Blues mm-hmm. and the Dusseldorf whatevers and uh, as I recall St. Louis beat the Oilers 10-0 the first 
game. Whoa. The Oilers had won the cup the year before, so they were really into that first game. Yeah. And that wasn't an exhibition squad. That was the NHL squad. Yeah, those are their NHL squad. Did they play inside or outside? Uh, they played uh, inside. Okay. It was, uh, <laughs> September. So they played uh, inside. And then they went to uh, Graz, Austria, too, to play a team in Austria. And they went to Munich and played a team in Munich as well. So, But I guess in terms of team bonding, I mean, obviously they're on the road all the time. I always think the team bonding is such a – oh, team no? bonding – Okay, well, but if it's much the same as last year's team, what team bonding is there? And if you've got 10 new players, oh, we've got to bring in yeah. 10 new players in it. If it's much the same lineup as last year with, say, three new players, I guess it's team bonding, but how much? I don't know. Yeah, you can bond in New York or Boston yeah, or yeah. L.A. or in the summer. You, you Bonding's pretty easy when you're 22 and you got seven million bucks. Like it's not. <laughs> you can get guys. I suppose to hang that's out. different. You than can find guys to hang out with. It's not. There will other be other people to hang out with you. you yeah, seven million dollars. <laughs> you have no trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Say we're going to a club. Anybody want to come? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I guess uh, you know the average salaries have uh, gone up since uh, in the last 28 years. Let's put it this way: Connor McDavid could probably buy the entire German team. That German roster, I don't think is their salaries are not twelve and a half million dollars. No. I don't think and Leon's eight and a half million. The salaries for the entire team are not eight and a half million either. I'm sure. That's our oil spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud.